1: Thursday edition of the Jeff Cameron show. Thanks for tuning to it. I'm Jeff. Tom is not here. I am solo today. You're here. I thank you for that. Appreciate it. Pre-recorded today, guys. Weird set of circumstances. I've already talked about it. Son's doing well. I had minor surgery yesterday. He's home. I'm home. We'll be back with you on Monday. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow off. But we'll be back with you on a Monday. Uh, as I am traveling south to uh, catch up on Christmas that I didn't get to have with uh, my mom and stepdad and and family, my grandmother, all that good stuff. So that's what's going to happen. But we are good for today. Appreciate you being here. Uh, That is a good thing as well. Director Matthew putting this, cobbling this together and so that we have content for the day. By the way, speaking of content, while I was doing the show today and this We'll finish up uh, projecting, I don't know, like the time that that I finish this recording will be like 12.15 and we're on at one. So it's almost like it's live, just so you know. Um, Got good news. You know, I continue to be very impressed with what's going on with the operation of Florida State. And I've had the conversation with you guys about, and I just got done with talking about Mike Norvell and everything from the athletic department where it's at right now and its goals and its efforts the high approval rating for mike alford the successes of florida state once again and now the ratcheted up expectations well when you're checking the boxes right do you get better players yeah we've got better players still need to get more and a greater depth of them but we've, we've got better players got a head coach you believe in you feel good about for me the answer is yes yes that's true yes we do Upgrading your staff. Looks like we are. Certainly a change has been made. Maybe the only one. May not. Don't know, but they're in the process of doing that. Check. Uh, continue to add to a roster in positions of need. Um, yeah, did so in the portal for sure. Check. Um, have an elite player or two coming in from the high school ranks? Well, yeah, they do. Certainly do in Hakeem ways, but they need to do better there. But anyhow, duly noted. Some real talent coming in here. and. You're checking all these boxes. I've continued to say it. I don't work for them, but there's just no getting around the fact that the battle's end has meant a lot to what Florida State's doing right now, roster attention and otherwise. And that's where I'm headed with the next part of the box checked is that your NIL game is intact and in good position to succeed and entice. Well, look, guys. They're not done in the portal. I suspect Florida State will add uh, as many as three more players. Now, I don't know if it'll be three, but I feel almost certain that it'll be two. Um, They're going to add a couple of more players. So every day we get up these days and we think about, well, what's going to happen that benefits Florida State football today? It seems like it's just been a long Christmas in a good way. Like you had Christmas, and then there was another Christmas the next day, and another Christmas the next day. And it built up till we were all hanging out in Orlando at the Harry Buffalo together and shaking hands and talking about what a nice season it's been and how good it is to be wanted and loved again and how important it is that the university be back uh, front and center nationally and all those things. And it's happened. That it was another Christmas celebration or whatever it is you celebrate Hanukkah or any of the others. That's all good. Celebrate together. It was going on, it just didn't end in that moment. I feel like every day I get up, we're either finding out about another player who's vital to Florida State's success deciding to come back, or on the verge of making an announcement that they're going to come back. And I'm crossing my fingers that we get that again with one more really key to the you know to the to the whole operation player. And that news so far has been good. I continues to 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 trend. I think. It's not a guarantee, but it continues to trend in the right direction. I'm talking about Jared Verse. I think that that is trending in a good direction for Florida State. Every day that goes by in which he has not made the announcement that he is turning pro, I think is probably a good thing for Florida State. Now, he is going to do the right thing and listen carefully to what the NFL is telling him, as he should, just as he is with his parents. And he's going to obviously have his own thoughts on the matter. He's a bright kid, a contemplative kid, a hardworking kid. He's going to go through this process and take it to uh, its conclusion. He's not in a rush, nor should he be. But I think, again, that every day goes by. It's not a bad sign for Florida State, but rather a good sign. And so each day you get up, you find out about a player who wants to come back, and you go, yes. You find out about a player who uh, is, is, uh, you know, in the transfer portal and is considering Florida State. And then you know Florida State's in a position to make that a possibility because the battle's in, and not just the battle's in, the coaching staff are doing a great job of assessing need, assessing those players, and pitching those players. Yes, we're not naive. Some of that is money. Some of that is fit. A lot of that is fit. Some of that is playing time. I mean, for as much as I want to praise the battle's end, and they get a big part of this, and as much as I want to give credit to the coaching staff, they certainly have to be praised for what they've done in the portal we do realize that uh, the very basic premise of the transfer portal centers around uh, need playing time money. You know, I mean, look, I mean, do you have some money to give a kid and woo him to come here? Is it competitive compared to what he's being offered elsewhere? The answer is yes. Do you have a need at the position? Does he foresee himself being able to play if he comes here right away because guys aren't transferring to sit their ass? Yep. Looks like that's the case for most of these guys playing time. It's going to happen. They're not promised all of this, maybe the money. They're not promised about you're going to get this many reps, you're going to play this many downs. You're not going, they're not promised that. So they're able to keep the culture intact. And they've done a good job of vetting those kinds of kids and saying, all right, listen, if you come here and you don't beat out so and so, or you aren't the starter at this position, are we going to have to worry about you being a malcontent and causing locker room problems? Because right now, this locker room couldn't be any better. And I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to deal with the nonsense. So the beauty of this is that. The answer to all these things has been yes, 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 and yes. And it tells me, it informs me that once again, from the coaching staff to the administration to the battles in, they are being very aggressive, very aggressive. And you're only really aggressive. Think about it in terms of free agency. You know, when you're a team that has the core, um, if if you're a baseball team and you've got the, the pitching staff, you feel very good about your pitching staff. Uh, You've got, uh, you know, one through five, you feel very good in the rotation. Then you look at the corner infielders, whether or not you've got power, whether, you know, whatever it is, however it is, you put together together your team. And when you believe the pieces are in place, the nice balance between veteran players and young and up and coming players with room to improve and continue to, elevate their game, and then there's this one superstar player out there or these two or three guys that if you were to go out in free agency and pay up and bring them in, elevate your squad to ante up and run at a championship, then you do it. But you don't do it before you're ready. You're not overly aggressive if you're not quite there yet. You don't want to overpay so that you, you go into a season and, and you don't, you're not in a position to win a championship. We see it in the NFL all the time with free agency. We just saw it the last couple of Super Bowl champions. Uh, the Rams just did it last year with Stafford. All right, we got the pieces. We've gone into war here. We've drafted pretty well. We've also brought in a lot of free agents. Do we have the team to win a Super Bowl? I think we do. Okay, go pay him. Tom Brady, go pay him. You know, that kind of, we've done well with the draft. We've it influxed the talent on the roster. Yep, got it, got it. Yep, what about that free agent, that free agent? Yep, that makes a Super Bowl contender. Okay, fine, pay him. Let's go. Take a chance that we're going to, Fall off a cliff after we ante up and go to the middle of the table, try to win a Super Bowl, got it. Florida State kind of reminds me of that right now. And I'm not saying they're going to win a championship next year, but it feels like they're aggressively pursuing to that end and that's going to warm your heart, right? Way down deep in the cockles, we're feeling good because we got a program that is efforting to do what we all want to see, which is to make a run at it. I think when I say make a run at it, I typically am leaning towards that being a run at, and hopefully succeeding, winning the ACC championship. And I know Corey said on Tuesday, you know, just get to the ACC championship game. Yeah, but you know how it is. If you're good enough to get to the ACC championship game, or you think that you're going into a season with the expectation that you're going to get to the ACC championship game, then you damn damn sure think you can win it. And then I realize, if we're aggressively pursuing that to upgrade the talent and entice these players through the portal to come and play right now what are they doing that for well they're not doing that for the long term they're doing that for the short term and they are aggressively pursuing those players it is obvious that that's the battle's end effort to that end and if that's the case if you're good enough to win a conference championship then you're good enough to be in the college football playoff and man i kind of think that's what uh what you see right now, and, and that's what I want to talk about next, which is that there's greater competitive balance in college football right now. So more people feel like they have a chance. Isn't TCU proof of that? You may consider that an outlier, but I also think it was representative of the season we just watched. The season we just watched felt deeper, more competitive. There was greater uncertainty in a given weekend as to who were going to win the biggest games involving the most high-profile teams. Um that hasn't been the case in college football in a long time, but it was certainly the case this year. And because it is, you say, why not us? Why not us? Why aren't we part of that larger conversation going into next season? Well, I am for. <laughs> I get excited. I'm excitable. I'm also, I think, fairly level-headed when I realize that you can't go from five and seven to 10 and three to I want to win the national championship. You may want that, but you also know that those seem like crazy leap forward. And then you go, hold on, Jeff. TCU fired their coach, brought in a new coach, had little to no expectations of even winning the Big 12 Conference, which isn't exactly the SEC, although I would argue it was probably the most entertaining conference of the Power Five this year. And here they sit in the national championship game that's good for college football that's good for our psyche it's good for florida state and teams like florida state tcu represents something of uh, a new possibility moving forward in college football and not something we expected to see so all right and i'll expand on that in a second because i want to talk about where college football was at and what i think this what this means and how exciting that is it's the jeff cameron show 93.3 real talk radio war chant tv we'll continue in a moment stay with This national championship game, which features TCU as a significant underdog, is um, one of my favorites in a long time. Now, it's not because I think TCU is going to win. they might, but they are underdogs, I think, for a very good reason. They've also overcome that a lot this year. Uh, they, they're a likable team. 14 games for TCU this year. 10 have been decided by 10 points or fewer, and they don't get rattled. They don't get uh, easily um, flustered. They seem to kind of hang in there. And, you know, if you listen to to Sonny Dykes uh, after the game, uh, he talked about, Um, They don't point fingers. They don't worry about what just happened. They play the next play. You hear coaches talk about playing the next play all the time. This is part of uh, the bigger picture uh, story, though. I think this season has been very, very good for college football. You know, we were just talking about, at at length in that, that first segment, the portal, And the portal is going to change. And it's right now, Florida State is doing as well, if not better, than every team in the country at recruiting the portal to fill very important needs. And that's awesome. It's important when you have access to something to improve your team that you be proficient at it, that you be good at it, especially if you're lacking in other areas. And Florida State has been lacking to some degree when it comes to high school recruiting. And so they've had to make amends by upgrading their roster. And there's a sense of immediacy with that um, through the portal. And when you get the best defensive tackle that's in the portal to say yes, and you get the best corner that's in the portal to say yes, and you get, you know, you on down the line, right? When that happens, uh, obviously you improve your team immediately. I do think long-term the ability To do that, the viability of the portal is going to shift. It's going to change. Uh, I do think, ultimately, the quality of players that are in the portal. Now, there have been elite players in the portal, and Florida State has been able to access them. Jermaine Johnson stands out. Jared Verse stands out, obviously. And there are others. Trey Benson has turned out to be a great pickup, and you took a chance on that one, and it worked out for you. When you talk to people uh, in college football and their thoughts, people within the game, and their thoughts on what's going to happen at the portal, the portal's in a weird place right now because you had all these super seniors and all this this other stuff that contributed to it and the newness of it all. Um, It's going to calm down. I don't think you're going to see as many people enter their name into the portal moving forward, and I think the viability of it and the ability to get those kids – to the the degree that Florida State has, is also going to be lessened. But they will point out that while there are quality football players in the portal, to be sure, sometimes they're even, you know, uh, a Heisman Trophy candidate, uh, the, the Blitnikoff Award winner. Like, we've seen that. But those are unique circumstances. I'm talking about what Lincoln Riley did in leaving Oklahoma and going to USC and bringing his quarterback with him and then successfully wooing, uh, Jordan Addison to come from Pitt to to join this stuff. These are unique circumstances. It's not going to look like that moving forward, but the point would be this. Most of the people that talk about the portal moving forward will tell you that even now, while you can get good players and there are outlier examples of maybe even the best player at their position being available in the portal, um, for the most part, the kind of quality offensive linemen that you see in college football, the best of the best, the creme de la creme, the, the Alabamas, the, the offensive line at, at Georgia uh, or Ohio State, these are not guys that are going to find their way into the portal. And if they do, they're awfully hard to come by, and that price will be driven up because quality offensive linemen tend to come from the high school ranks, the elite ones, the five-star kids with the five-star bodies and the guys that you can develop and the clay that you can mold into the level of elitism that will go in the first round. Those kinds, There aren't a bevy of those players out there in the portal. And the price for those players is going to continue to be driven up. And so you don't want to have to make your living in the portal, but in particular, you don't want to have to do it on the offensive and defensive lines. There are exceptions. And right now is, again, a very unique time. I'm not telling you that you can't do things in the portal to turn your program's future uh, around uh, immediately. Florida State is one of those programs that has. Florida State is a program that continues to do so. And good, while you can, and if you're good at it, make it happen. I do think that ultimately though the way we think about the portal and how you use the portal to to supplement your roster is going to change as well. And the cost uh, on you is going to change quite a bit. I do, by the way, while we're on the subject again, to reiterate what I said, think that Florida state's not done in the portal. I just said that a moment ago, but I'll say it again for the purposes of this conversation. All right. Why did I bring all of that up? Why did I say that? Why am I talking about this now? Well, I do like that there have been a number of articles regarding this TCU team. And a lot of them describe guys who were at one point or another, because remember, this is Dykes' first year at TCU. And the the thought of that team uh, that was an afterthought for most of those ranking the big 12 and considering those that had a chance to win the conference, you may have taken a flyer at greater than 20 to one odds on TCU to win the conference. I know some people who did. Because they thought the talent base was pretty good. And they thought that this was a, a a program that was better than their record. That, um, that, that had a chance to be a better team than maybe you thought coming into the season, any time, you go through a coaching change um, and there's a shift in philosophy and a new staff has to come in and, and make changes. Um, It can be, it can be difficult to think that they can get that done in one season and maximize the ability of the talent on the roster to the point that they would be anywhere near uh, competing for uh, potentially um, a national championship. And now TCU has, which is remarkable. It is Also, a team that has been through a lot. And a lot of the guys that are kicking ass for TCU right now took the approach that they were going to stick it out, that they were going to stay at TCU and not transfer. They were not going to go into the portal, that they were going to just hang in there. They were going to say, Tomorrow will be better than today. I'm going to work at it and I'll have opportunities if I just see it through. I think we wish that everybody would do that. That's not reality. I think every situation is different. There are kids that I would tell uh, to to leave a given situation. We just had a situation yesterday where the extremely classy and well-regarded Treshawn Ward announced that he was transferring and you saw the affection and the love and the outpouring Uh, of affection and love from both his coaches and his teammates and the fans and then him back to the university and those coaches and fans that is as it's a perfect scenario that's exactly the way you would want it to happen if it has to happen right that's what you'd like to see it's seldom the case but like that young man needed to go There are too many bodies here, too many players here, and too many guys that maybe have usurped the reps that he would have for him to showcase his ability as an elite um, running back one, right? Uh, Or a very good running back one. And there are programs that will see him that way and use him that way. And he will be able to shine and he will be able to showcase and he will give himself a better opportunity somewhere else, not sharing as many reps, um, With a loaded backfield like the one here at Florida State, that give him the best opportunity to get an opportunity in the National Football League. So that's, that's so we wish him well. But remember that he did stick it out. He did hang in there. He was buried on the depth chart. He was a walk-on who earned a scholarship. Those stories make us feel good. There's there's something to that that we are drawn towards that we want to see. And again. It's not always a viable answer. It's not always the right answer. But I think it's the right answer more than we're currently seeing from a generation of players who have rightfully been given the opportunity to now transfer when they want to at least once. I'm in favor of that. It's true coaches come and go, and then therefore players should be able to at least once. Uh, I, I think that provision should be in place. I think moving forward, we shouldn't have this be a case where guys transfer as much as Daniels has, for example, where you're going four different teams in four freaking years. That doesn't seem ideal. Um, and I think there's a the way to do that where you can protect the player and say if you commit to a school and the coach leaves, you get carte blanche to leave if you want, and it doesn't count against your one-time transfer rule. You're doing it because of the set of circumstances that are radically shifted, including the guy that recruited you walking uh, shortly after you arrived there. Yeah, I, I would put that caveat in there, but I, I like that this TCU team is not only a glaring underdog, but one that has a lot of guys that saw it through. And now this is their just reward. It's almost fairy tale in the way that it's happened. It's, it's going to be why the vast majority of the country will be rooting for TCU in this football game. Here's the other part of this that I love. College football, and I've talked about this a lot, has had a problem. If you guys are longtime listeners to the Jeff Cameron Show, then you know going all the way back to when I was on 1270 over there working for Clear Channel, which is now iHeart. Oh, Even, I mean, yeah. Go back maybe from the very beginning, over 20 years ago. One of the things, and I made fun of this at the time, and certainly it it wasn't PC, but people got it. I made fun of women's basketball, one, because I thought it was unwatchable. By the way, women's basketball has come an awful long way and is now watchable. It wasn't back then. You had too few in the way of elite players to draw my attention. That's not true anymore. The level of skill has risen greatly, uh, in part because of things like the WNBA and the incentivized way in which women are uh, included in sports, big-time college sports on campuses. That's great. It's a good thing. Okay. Okay. That's neither here nor there. Back then, one of my biggest problems was not only was the game played well below the rim and uh, lacking star talent, it's that there was no competitive balance. Back then, you had Tennessee and UConn, and that was about it. Everybody else was playing second fiddle. I used to refer to them as club teams. Everybody else was a club team. I even referred to Florida State's greater seasons as just another club team waiting to get their head kicked in if they're fortunate enough to play UConn or Tennessee in the round of eight or the final four or whatever it might be. We all knew it. It was so bad, the lack of competitive balance, that you would see four and five seeds in the women's tournament get beat by 60 points in games featuring back then again, Yukon, Tennessee. Now later, a couple of other programs emerge. We know South Carolina emerged. Hell, our own Florida State has emerged. There's more balance. Greater competitive balance in any sport is important to the watchability and growth of said sport you are not going to draw a ton of people to a game in which it is a foregone conclusion that one of two, maybe three or four teams out of the 30, or in some cases, hundreds that are playing can win it. That's not good. At some point, you get bored. I'm tired of watching team A, B, C, or D be the only one that can win the national championship despite all of the others that are competing. Now you might say, well, that's not their fault. Of course it's not but it doesn't mean that I'm drawn to the game. It's not their fault. They should win as many championships as you can. Flags fly forever, gotcha. But I know that it's not interesting to me if it's that kind of lopsided. College football was headed in that direction and had been for some time. This season felt different. There were a lot of Saturdays this year where you felt like, you know, the best team, the higher ranked team is not appreciably better than the team across from them that's unranked. The teams that the number of teams that have a chance to win the national championship seems much greater this year. Throughout the season, it felt this way than maybe it has been in the last 10 years. Because while we always note, especially in the playoff era, and it's a relatively small sample size, we've looked at the playoff era and we've said, for the most part, Ohio State, unfortunately for us, Clemson, and 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 recently, uh, obviously Georgia, but Alabama, right? We we pretty much named those teams, and if somebody was going to get in, since two of those are in the same uh, in the same league, uh, if if somebody else was to get in, you thought, well, they were sacrificial lambs, the way that Michigan State felt like a sacrificial lamb, the way that uh, perhaps Notre Dame certainly felt like a sacrificial lamb because they weren't on the same level. They weren't even close. There wasn't enough competitive balance. It did not feel that way this year. It it, it felt like, I don't know, seven, eight, 10 teams had a legitimate chance to win a national title. If they could get there, you still got to get there. You still got to earn it. You still got to find your way and navigate the schedule and win the important games and all those things. But if they could get there, it felt like, like you felt like, Michigan could win a national title. It's kind of shocking they lost that game to TCU, but they did. They did. You felt like they could win a national title. You felt certainly like Georgia, the defending national champions, could win a national title. You felt like Ohio State, flawed as they may be, had enough playmakers and enough talent, clearly, that they could win the national championship. You thought Southern Cal was a team that could win a national championship. I thought perhaps they didn't look like it much of the year, but if you looked at certain positions and the talent, and if things played out the right way, they could be in the playoff. And who knows? Once you get into the playoff, maybe you'd have a chance that if if DJ played exceptionally well, it ended up that he didn't consistently play well. You so thought, I think, well, maybe Clemson could. Maybe Clemson could. Probably not, but maybe. And. Even though some would have much greater odds than other, the very fact that you could weigh in on maybe six to eight teams as opposed to three was good for college football. And TCU represents an outlier that we very, very seldom see in the history of the game. An unranked team in preseason, a team not predicted in the top five in the Big 12, a team that was uh, on the field a year ago, uh, at best, any given Saturday, average. Uh, average Not anywhere close to attaining the level of um, descriptor, meaning like, oh, that's a national championship contender or a league conference contender. like they, That wasn't an apt description of that team. And now here they are playing for the national title where they are once again decided underdogs, and yet you kind of feel like that might be a game. I take Georgia to win. You're going to take Georgia to win. They're the favorites for the reason. They've got better players. They have more of them. TCU's T- 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 tough. TCU's tough. And they've played well. And they've got good players. They've got good players, too. And they believe. We could not have foreseen a season in college football like this where TCU is playing in the national championship. No, nobody would have. It, it, we all would have sat there and said, all right, who's the one team in any of the Power Five conferences that we're not talking about, that if they play their cards right and they get the bounces and they're a little bit better at this position and they're a little bit better coached up at this position, could somehow sneak in, win the conference and get into the college football playoff. Who's that other team? Nobody said TCU. That other team would have been USC. That other team might've been, as I said, Michigan you would have maybe said Clemson before the year began. You would have maybe, you know, there there just weren't that many choices. You might have said a, on a whim, like, well, maybe Oklahoma has enough talent to keep it rolling despite a coaching change and an exodus of uh, a number of great players, including their starting quarterback. You might have thought maybe Texas takes a, another step. they got a Heisman Trophy quarterback, I mean, uh, running back. You may have said, I mean, you would have had to really go out on a limb but we would not have seen Tennessee coming this way, the way that they played this year. And if they don't lose their quarterback, who knows? I mean, what an amazing year for them. Uh, the caliber of squad that they were obviously after we saw LSU in New Orleans I don't think we thought they would go on to win the West and play in the SEC championship game and uh, and dominate in the bowl game and become the team they were by season's end and how much better that sets up for Florida State now for next season and this battle between what might be very well be two top 10 teams preseason ranked college football found more competitive balance this year. And it was somewhat unexpected, at least by me. And because of it, it grew in likability once again. So the sport seems to be a little bit more back on track and for a variety of reasons. And maybe it falls back into its usual pattern. Blue Bloods have always dominated the sport. I get that. It just felt a little bit more balanced this year. And I don't know, I just feel like perhaps with the transfer portal and perhaps the ability of young men to be able to leave programs and to get paid elsewhere as well, not just by heavy hitter, underhanded boosters who care too much about the sport in the South or in certain pockets of the Midwest that are under the table paying players to come to their university. And we all know who they were. And if you weren't part of that, uh, a part of that group of halves, you really couldn't ever foresee yourself playing or competing at a high level or a championship level or a playoff level. But now we know that, you know what, you can get paid anywhere. NIL is everywhere. You can certainly facilitate a conversation or a negotiation, if you will, in a form of free agency that hasn't existed. And whether you like that or not, I do think it may very well be beneficial to the competitive balance of college football moving forward. And those are the kind of unforeseen. Um, ramifications for allowing that to happen and eventually arriving at a place where players got paid. I think that that's one of the ways that you can look at it in a a positive light. Chef Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV continues. We'll wrap it up in just a moment.
0: The Cameron Show is a production of the War com Multimedia Network.
1: Thank my friends at Tallulah, as always, for sponsoring the final segment of the program on a Redemption Thursday. Well, really, every day for that matter. And I would note, if you've not been by Tallulah, you should go. Kava bar now open on Bannerman uh, in Bannerman Crossing. In addition to that, there's a second location in Bannerman Crossing. It's beautiful. Lots of kava and kratom drinks there for you. Uh, If you've not tried one of those, uh, in, in with all sincerity, I think you should. They're delicious. They're not. You're not gonna be uh, not gonna be high. <laughs> they, they don't have anything in them that are psychedelic. You'll be you'll be all right. Just improve your mood, feel good. Kind of like a kind of like a sparkly apple juice. At least the ones that I get, I like it. Uh, they sell CBD for pets as well. If your pet stresses out easily, garbage man comes, whatever it might be. Uh, the CBD can help calm down. Also, uh, it's good for, uh, older dogs and arthritis, things like that. They also have, uh, pain roll on creams and the like, uh, for CBD, uh, the CBD infused, uh, joint cream, that kind of stuff. And, uh, else, man, there was another one in Midtown now where the old Soto was. So, man, lots of things there to do. couple of things I want to touch on before I sign off for today. No show tomorrow. Also want to answer, uh, for all of you who asked and we'll be back at it Monday for the national championship, all that good stuff. And now we get back into a normalized schedule for the most part. Uh, But a lot of you asked me and I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. My son, Bryce did go through a a medical procedure, a little minor procedure yesterday uh, and uh, did well. I don't think he'd mind me telling you it's just for his adenoids and uh, turbinates. I think this is what they call them turbinates. I didn't even know what that is. Uh, That said, you know what's really cool? When I found out about this, and it's, like, it's not like he's a, an experimental lab animal or something here, but like when I was a kid, I had my adenoids taken out. And I was very little, and they also put tubes in my ear. Apparently, it's fairly common. But I was really little, and they put me under, and I had to stay the, the, the night in the hospital and all that. And it's, it's surgery. This was a day procedure yesterday, and they do put you under. If I understand this correctly, and there'll be doctors listening that could correct me if I'm wrong, you know what they do? They singe or burn, for lack of a better term. They cauterize. They go into the nose and burn them. Oh, you guys are annoying. You're too big. You're too whatever you are, whatever your issue is. We're just going to burn you bastards down a little bit. about that? Just burn them. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, anyhow, that's the procedure, which leads to uh, well, bad breath and uh, and 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 plenty of blood. <laughs> hey, that's fun, but it also means he's going to be able to breathe better. So, for those of you who asked, greatly appreciate you inquiring about the young lad's health. He's fine. In fact, he came home and he wanted a public sub. So, there's that. Another thing I want to touch on. Uh we didn't go crazy with the bets today and it's a weird week in the NFL but for added reason obviously you have the situation that transpired in the Monday Night Football game which I alluded to and talked about specifically in hour number 1 of this program uh, and was really happy to find out even more good news today that DeMar Hamlin is doing much much better. One would imagine he's got a long way to go. As it pertains, though, to the Buffalo Bills or the Cincinnati Bengals, for that matter, and I know at times that sounds crass, but they are going to play the games. There is playoff positioning in line, uh, on the line. There is uh, a whole procedural deal that uh, this is totally new and the NFL has to figure out, but they're going to play these games, and it is going to help to decide playoff berth. So uh, as an aside, given that today is Redemption Thursday, I would point to the fact that the uh, Patriots are at the Buffalo Bills, and that is an important game. And you may think the Bills probably are going to have a hard time playing this game. But NFL players, and I think athletes in general, uh, and maybe many of you in high-pressure jobs in general, are very good at compartmentalizing. I've always thought that one of the great attributes of a professional athlete or an elite college athlete I don't care if that's in an individual sport like tennis or golf or a team sport uh, like football or basketball. You have to be absolutely remarkably gifted and have had to find the ability along the way if it wasn't something that came natural, Um, whether that is through a sports psychologist or through your own methodologies that you uncovered along the way that worked for you, Uh, breathing exercises, whatever it might be. You have to be able to put behind you whatever it is, or compartmentalize more importantly, whatever it is that would distract you from the task at hand if you're going to succeed and play at the highest level. If you're a pro golfer and you're going through a divorce, it may seem impossible to go out and play well uh, any given tournament weekend, but people do. People do. Now, sometimes they're not able to, but the point is there are plenty of people who go through the worst of it when it comes to uh, domestic uh, problems uh, in their home life, whatever it might be, and they go on and succeed despite the pain and the difficulties of that. Uh, And then other times, obviously it can be much more tragic than that. It could be the loss of a loved one. It could be the loss of a dad or a mom or a brother or a sister or dear friend. And yet those games are gonna be played. Your job is still intact. You have to go and perform and so the level of uh, compartmentalization and ability to go there and hyper-focus for that two hours, those four hours, whatever it might be, professional athletes do that in a way that is hard to fathom. And I've always thought, just personally speaking, that had I been good enough, and I was not, but had I been good enough to, to continue to climb the ladder in sports, I, I don't think I would have been able to do that. It gets to me. It bothers me to no end. Seeing Bryce with a day surgery that took less than an hour be uh, carted off yesterday, uh, knowing that he was going to be under anesthesia, uh, uh, bothered me. It, it, it ate at me and it's silly. It was a, I knew it was going to be okay on the one hand. On the other hand, I could not let it go. I hated the lasting image of that. And, I, and I thought about that when thinking about these games this weekend, how you can marry those two thoughts. Like, well, that bothered me. I wouldn't have been able uh, to have been hyper-focused on the show. I would not have been able to be able to uh, to think solely about what I was doing. Even today is a little awkward uh, as he's home resting comfortably, Uh, but they do, they do. And they're going to be able to, I do believe in this football game. And you know what? That number is at seven and a half and New England needs that game to make it. Uh, into the playoffs, and you might think those two things married together would mean that this game ends up being a lot closer than it should be and or that New England wins it, and maybe they do. But that's why I'm going to combine these two teams, Buffalo as well as Cincinnati and their game against Baltimore. Because remember, there are a couple things, whether we like it or not, and as uncomfortable as it is to talk about, if we we really look at what's at stake here, we know football is not as important as life and death. Everybody gets that. Establish that. We talked about that. It's every reasonable, rational person understands that. But again, getting back to the sports of this, which is what we do. It's what they do. And it's what we do as fans, even in the midst of tragedy. The Bills are still playing for playoff position, however that's going to look. Those guys have gone through year-round training, training camp, preseason football. The season itself is at the very end. So the bumps, the bruises, the blood, the sweat, the tears, quite literally for these guys these days right now, um, they've gone through all of that. And they are going to be highly motivated to cash it in, to go through that process and, and not be in a position to reward yourself for the sacrifices and the efforts. Um, that's just not something that professional athletes – do they compartmentalize and they'll focus? It may not be enough to get it done, but I'm going to tease that game down. The Ravens are at the Bengals. The Bengals are heavily favored. Of course, the Ravens. I don't trust Huntley, and I don't think Lamar is going to play. And Cincinnati still needs a win in order to secure the AFC North title. Again, it feels odd to say, it's odd to talk about it. I don't like it, but it is the reality of the situation. I'm going to tease them down. And that's what you do. You combo these things. You take the Bills. You take the Bengals, two teams that should win those games perhaps. You tease them down under the seven and a half, under the seven, to a number that is uh, more tenable to you. And you combo that maybe with two others, and all of a sudden you go from minus odds to plus odds, and you have a lot of fun with it. So something to think about uh, there as well. Tease it down and be done with it and move forward with it. And also, like I said, one more to reiterate, because you guys have been asking, we'll do this again now that football season, college football season is uh, basically over. We will, and we're going to, we'll probably have to change it up. We called it Red Russians before. Uh, It seems like it's not in good taste now. We'll probably call it something different. Tom and I will start having the hockey, and then you know my prize picks for this week. I already mentioned them, but to reiterate before we go, uh, where they're playing in Kapalua is uh, massive, meaning the fairways are massive, meaning greens and regulation uh, should be a, a, a plus number, big number, uh, betting overs on that, for especially for the more accurate golfers who already have a high greens and regulation uh, statistical background, and then fairways hit. Way up here, especially for guys that are particularly accurate off the tee. Anyhow, spacious fairways. So you can go. You can marry those two with overs and have some fun with it. All right. So that's it. That's all. There won't be a Libations Friday show. Uh, I'm leaving town to see family and catch up on Christmas that we did not have together. I will be back at it on Monday, just like always. And we'll have a normal week next week. I'm looking forward to doing that. For uh, Tom Lang, who's off golfing in Orlando, you bum. Oh, you've earned it. You've earned it. Uh, and for Director Matthew, who helped put this together. And uh, and for Warchant, I say thank you. Be good, everybody. Have a great weekend in advance of it. And I will talk to you again on Monday. Peace.